We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Knicks fans, how you doing? It's your boy John of the Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Coming at you on a Friday after the Knicks have played their first West Coast game of the year uh, last night against the Golden State Warriors. So as I am recording this intro right now, uh, they have not played that game yet. Because uh, I'm recording it on a Thursday. However, the reason I'm uh, starting this episode off a little uh, PSA is because uh, we will be tacking on the post game, my post game thoughts on that game to the end of this episode that you are listening to right now. So stick around until the end and um, you'll get to hear again my post game thoughts on the Warriors game that will be recorded uh, immediately after it it uh, has ended. Uh, but in the meantime, you're going to hear a couple of old friends. If you listened over the course of the summer while the last dance was going on, you heard these guys we recorded uh, after every one of those episodes. Um, my buddies from law school, uh, Bernard and Yash, we had uh, our usual uh, amount of tomfoolery and also some very insightful uh, Nick's conversation. So, uh, Bernard and Yash, then Warriors post game coming at you very soon. But first, a very, very quick word from some of our friends. So I hope you're sitting down because I have to tell you something monumental, which is that I love sports betting. I mean, who doesn't? And whether you've been betting for a while or you're thinking about getting started, I want to let you know about a great resource for sports bettors, and that is the Action Network. Action Network is where sports fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. You can't get better than the best. And with the Action Network Pro subscription, you could unlock the very best 
of the app. When you sign up for Action Network Pro subscription, you could access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game. You could see money and bet percentages on every game, so you know the teams that professional gamblers are betting on. You could take advantage of Pro Systems, which match historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. And finally, you could track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking not just to bet, but to bet smarter, an Action Network Pro subscription is the best way to get started. And for a limited time, my listeners can receive 50% off an annual Pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com right now and receive 50% off an annual subscription when you use the code. Get ready. Here it comes. The code is Film School. So one more time, the offer won't last. So uh, go to actionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use that promo code F-I-L-M-S-C-H-O-O-L to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, um, I think you last heard them. Unless I'm mistaken, I think the last time you heard them was in the midst of the pandemic, which we are still in, but we were really in the meat of it uh, when we were doing the post-game reviews of the uh, Last Dance Michael Jordan documentary um, every Sunday, which inevitably just like um, divulged or, or um, it was it, it deteriorated into the three of us yelling obscenities at one another. So naturally, I had to bring them back for uh, the first appearance in, in a bit. Um, who should I introduce first? I'll introduce Yash first. Hello, Yash. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm getting over COVID, so that's excellent. I mean, you look okay. Yeah. For you. For you. Um, and, uh, Yash has a real job that it's actually important and like he helps people for a living and we don't need to talk about that. Um, Oz, uh, Bernard is a reviewer. For yes. loud and clear reviews, he's been in the thick of what um, what festival this week? Uh, not, Sundance starts in a week. So that's right. That'll, there that'll you go. take oh, up my time. That's right. You sent me your Sundance schedule. There, there's a lot, a yeah. lot of movies. You also uh, apparently have a job um, and a family. I'm tired. Um, we're all tired because we're, well, I'm old. You're almost as old and Yash, you're, you're getting there. Um, so you just have like 80% lung capacity now, Yash. It's the same thing as being old. That's true. Yeah. Right now I'm tired because, you know, I'm on like day eight of this shit, but, uh, yeah, getting there. You're getting there. So we're, we're, um, as, as Bernard has a family and, and Yash has to go back and lay down in bed. Uh, we're going to get right to it today. So we have a, a fun little thing um, that I planned out, which is today uh, a new president took office. Um, we don't talk politics on this show, but <laughs> we don't talk politics on the show, but um, we will commemorate the event with um, a little exercise in trying to figure out where the Knicks will be. The next time we have one of these things, these things come around every four years and barring any uh, changes to the way we run this country, the next one will be four years from now. So we're going to play a little game and and try to figure out what lies ahead four years from now using our um, lawyerly abilities, even though I'm, uh, you guys are the ones that still practice law and I just um, don't. Um, but first, we're going to play a game of... Uh, what's the game where the couples figured out how well they knew each other? 
Newlywed game? Newlywed game. There you go, yeah. Yes, the newlywed game. Except um, we're not newlyweds. These are my oldest uh, friends that appear on this podcast. Uh, But I'm going to try to figure out how well I know them. So here's here's what I have devised. You are going to tell me. I'm going to give you five choices, okay? And you're going to tell me. And I was thinking about this because I was preparing for this. And I'm like, oh, man, what are we going to talk about four years from now? But then I'm thinking right now, things are already exciting. And then I'm thinking, wow, there's actually a lot to be excited about with the Knicks right now, right this second, that it's for the first time in a while, it seems like it may actually be hard to figure out what is the most excited thing or the thing to be most excited about. So you ready for your five choices? I am. Okay. Here are your five choices. Choice one, Emmanuel quickly. Choice two, RJ Barrett. Choice three. Tom Thibodeau. Choice four, uh, Leon Rose slashed the general state of the franchise. Um, and finally, choice five, Julius Randle. So to to prove how well I think I know my own friends, I have written down my predicted answers for both of you. I want you to each give me your top two. Okay. You're right. Do you need a second to think or you're, you're good with your answers? I'm good. You're good. Okay. Good okay. Uh, Bernard, why don't you, why don't you tee us off? What is your, the thing you are most excited about? Well, you omitted Ignas Brazdikas still being a New York Nick, but with yeah. that aside, I'm going to go with the general front office competence followed by Tom Thibodeau. Yes. T- Unpredictable. Uh, I did think, of, I did think strongly of quickly as asteroid size balls before I answered. I'm saving that text to put in a news, a future newsletter. Okay. So I'm going to, sh- I'm going to hold up the piece of paper that I wrote my predicted answers down on in front of the camera soon, but Yash, let me get your top two answers. So um, this is kind of a, it's kind of a tough one. I completely understand if it weren't for the two that I'm going with, it would have been Bernard's two. My two are Tom Thibodeau and just, I include him in the sort of general competence of the coaching staff. And uh, my second one is R.J. Barrett because, um, yeah, I mean, I think R.J. Barrett has made enormous strides this season um, because of the competence of Tom Thibodeau and the coaching staff. And I'm very excited about both of those things. So I think I get two and a half because here's what I wrote. I I nailed ignore whatever my wife wrote down in the other part of this paper. I nailed Bernard's in order. Yash, I had RJ number one, and I actually had Julius Randle number two for you, Yash. So I, I guess I, well, I mean, given our history, it's no surprise that I, I guess I, I know Bernard in a little, little bit more intimate way. That's There's no shame in that. Um, <laughs> never forget San Antonio. Never forget San Antonio. <laughs> That's right. Uh, what's, what happens in Texas stays in Texas. Um, as people are like, what what are these people talking about? Don't worry. Um, Yash. Uh, I didn't think you'd say Tibbs. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I know you like Tibbs, but I didn't. I didn't think you were that high on him. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, I'm that high on him because of the success that RJ's had. Is you know, I have long been RJ's biggest defender in our text thread. Uh, I think you're way <laughs> too hard on him. Um, we're, think- we're what we are is called fair. We're just fair given the evidence. Oh, God. I mean, he's 20 years old and he's just barely played one full season and he's had the worst possible situation around him. And you're ready to write him off as like, oh, well, we need to talk about 
he needs to accept that he's just not going to be that good. It's like, well, no, he doesn't need to accept anything. Okay. okay. <laughs> like we have, we have, we're so far away from knowing what he's going to be has always been what I've said. And the improvement he's made this year, I think has been beyond what we could have expected just from how he was as a rookie, particularly on the defensive end. And so if he makes an, another kind of similar leap next season, you know, I, I think uh, one of the things we'll be talking about four years from now is RJ Barrett, all-star. So, yeah. And, and that's why I think Tibbs is uh, why, why I have to put Tibbs as one of the first two, because he's had such a huge impact on player development and coaching. hundred percent. I, I just do want it noted for, for the record um, that, there is a gray area between what was the term you just used that he like, he, he needs to accept that he stinks or something along those lines. It's just not going to be that good. Like, Oh, he needs to accept oh yeah. There, okay. There, there's a gray area between he's not going to be that good. And what you said via text, I believe it was yesterday, which is that he's going, he'll be Jimmy Butler. Not like he'll be a, a, a lesser. You were like, he's going to be Jimmy Butler who was just the best player in the, or the second best player in, in a finals. You don't see that there's like a gap between us. You had his reasonable outcome, his reasonable outcome, like what you would expect if everything just went fucking normal, not upscale, not optimism as a fucking Hall of Famer. No, that is not true. I you had not. him as, as as an eight to ten time All Star as his normal outcome, and everyone who a, makes ten fucking All Star games is a Hall of Famer. I said three to five. You're totally exaggerating. You are toning it down now. No, I'm not. Uh, it. That is what I said. I said three to five All Star games. Which, in fairness, which is if, not a Hall of Famer. There are plenty well, of guys with six appearances were not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and there's also other guys with like you know what is it? Reggie Miller, I think, has four. Whatever we. You are, you're really high on RJ Barrett, which is fine. I love that you're really high on RJ Barrett. I'm high on him too, within reason. But whatever. We uh, listen. We could be here all day talking about this. Um, so this is actually a good a good entree point into uh, our conversation because the way I wanted to start this out is if you had to to bet your life, um, or Bernard, you're married, so I'll make you bet Lily's life because I know you value that far more than your own. Um, uh, drink <laughs> what who is the person and it doesn't have to be a player it could be a front office person it could be a coach it could be whatever that that you would you would bet your life on being here in four years uh bernard you, you you've been a little, little bit more quiet why don't we start with you who i will bet my life that in four years the single current new york nick person who will still be on the team is obi toppin that's pretty, that's this, I mean, it's the smart money, right? It's, it's the laziest option because of how contracts work and the fact that he will almost <laughs> certainly still be on the team uh, this date four years from now. No matter what upheaval, I think he's a good bet to still be here. I think that's, you know, I actually think that's actually kind of a, an interesting answer because it is an interesting answer for sure because of Randall. I think doesn't Randall make that, a little bit more tenuous because if you're looking at, I think we all agree that at some point there's going to be a trade, a, 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 a trade of a, a goodly nature. And that four years from now, we're not going to be looking at the same group of group of players. And then it's a question of like, all right, well, what young player or players goes out in the trade? And like, 
I don't know. Is there a world where Julius? Well, let's let's pivot for a second. We're already going off off the off the beaten path. Is there a world where both Julius Randle and Obi Toppin are on this team still in? Forget about four years. In like two and a half, three years. Perversely, yes, I do. I do think yeah, there's a world absolutely. where that happens. I, I think that Randall has already put himself in a place where we have to assume the option is going to be picked up. Oh, that's uh, yeah, that's that's done. It's a given at this point. And honestly, it's he's the sort of player that assuming this keeps up any longer, we really have to be thinking in terms of keeping around as a long-term asset. But I would not be surprised if Toppin and Randall, under Thibodeau's guidance, figure out a way to make it work together. The Julius Randall from last year, I never would have said this about. But this new guy that we've seen this season, I can imagine a way that that could work. Um, I could too. Uh, yeah, you, you seem to agree with that as well. Yeah, I, I think that there's a world where um, Randall and Toppin are starting at the four and five, and Mitch ends up being the odd man out if they can't work out his contract situation. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's very easily uh, could be possible that um, one of them is the small ball five and the other one's at the four, and, you know, they have the skill set to make it work. Yeah, I think if... Here, here, I think that's the only way that it's going to work because if Toppin is here's the thing, uh, Bernard. If Toppin's still here in four years, I think that means he's good, right? At least decent. Yes. Yeah. So if he's if he's decent for for him, it means he's going to be an offensive monster because we know he's going to have his issues on the defensive end, which means that dude's going to start. Which means, as you just said, Yash, it. Yeah, it's it's going to be an undersized four five, but they would then. I can't imagine Mitch being around for that. I, I think they would do some kind of like, let's sign the best cheap five on the market that we can to fill in the gap for for this year, which is fine if that's the way they want to go because they're going to need some size. Um, Yash, who's your who's your guy who you think is one hundred percent going to be here in four years? So I think sticking with the theme of the night so far, I think it's going to be RJ. I think he's just going to be the guy who you know, becomes indispensable to the fan base. And, um, you know, they're going to love watching him grow and develop and become better. And, I, you know, I think him and Tibbs are just going to have a great relationship. And uh, it's going to be very difficult to send him out in a trade for a star. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that uh, he's going to be the guy that he's going to be a building block of this franchise for a long time. Well- so of course I have to push back. It, you you just got done singing his praises. Do you think it's going to be very difficult to send him out for a trade and a star because he's going to be so good that the organization couldn't fathom trading him, or because he's going to be looked at as an odd fit around the league? No, I, I think it's going to be that he will both be good enough and also beloved by the fans enough that they're not going to want to see him traded. You know, it's funny you say that because I was on Twitter like a week and a half ago when that dude was in the midst of an O for <laughs> fucking <laughs> O for 60, whatever it was, where people I, you know, I don't I don't tend to talk about the, the DMs that I get just because of the amount of, you know, single women, obviously, that that proposition. <laughs> okay. Um you know, I don't like to I don't like to put 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 that in Dolores's face. It's just not nice. Um, but I was usually getting... prefer the married ones. <laughs> But I was <laughs> terrible. But I was, but I was, I was getting a lot of DMs 
from from because my DM, you know my dms are open i was getting a lot from people being like i'm starting to be concerned about rj please tell me not to be worried about rj i'm really start, like this is this is bad right this is bad right john this is bad and i'm just like it's it, he's the second I, I like here's the thing i may not get as high on rj as you Yash. i also don't get that low like i wasn't worried i was just like okay let's figure it out but um yeah that's why the only reason i think that's interesting um i don't think you're wrong by the way um I think RJ would be my pick too um, for the guy that I would bet the most just because of the thing with Randall that I like, if there is a superstar trade to come, you figure RJ staying, you figure Randall staying because he, I think he has probably more value to the franchise. I think the Obi's the guy that people are going to ask for, assuming he looks the part when he comes back and, and you know plays for a while. Um, or the other guy we haven't talked about yet, Emmanuel quickly. Um, well, Bernard, you're, you're, you're raising a fist. I just, I love him. I love everything about him. Every minute he <laughs> graces the court makes, makes my heart go a flutter. Don't he, let Iggy hear you say that. Shh, don't, uh, Iggy's probably not listening to this podcast <laughs> right now. And I'll, I'll it, say Iggy, that. I'm sorry to cheat on you for a moment here, but man, if they gave you a chance, I'm sure you could do the same things to my heart that quickly has done, but Holy shit, that guy rocks. Um, yeah, I almost wonder if, if given truth serum, whether they would be like uh, the the front office would like values quickly more than Obi at that point. Maybe that's a bit much too soon. You, you know what I think it is. Quick, quickly has already. Yash, you talked about the fan base. Quickly has already become the the Knicks fan handshake. If you talk to somebody about basketball, the first thing two Knicks fans do is say, "Holy shit!" Quickly, nobody. Not a single Knicks fan is like, oh my God, RJ Barrett. Quickly is the guy that shows you you love this team. Yeah. Um, and, you know, unlike Frank, who, because Frank was that guy for the last three years. He was, that's true. You know, when, when, you, when, we, would, when we would text about Frank, it would be like, man, did you see that third quarter stretch where he was like, he was really getting, he was digging. He, he no, was he got, not a bad player for like four minutes. Well, he got it. He got his hands in the, he had that, you know, he had that moment where he, he came around that screen and it was, you know, it was really, and you know, he, he put his both feet in the paint and he shot a ball from the paint. No, I mean, like, look, let's I'm being a little bit facetious, but this is the type of shit that we were excited about. I certainly was, I could admit that now it's like, you Oh, wait a minute. Of us. Oh, I was, <laughs> but and I would still be excited to see him come back. My, my stance on him has changed because I just think the organization has, has mentally moved on. And I think just as importantly, I think he's mentally moved on, but we don't have to dwell on that. Um, quickly, he's leading all rookies that have played more than 100 minutes and points for 36 minutes. He's averaging five assists for 36 minutes. And he's like, he just absolutely looks the part of a guy who's going to be at worst a first guard off the bench on a really good team that could come in and screw shit up. So, um I think RJ will be here in four years. I think quickly we'll be here in four years. The bigger question for me is Randall because you just mentioned his option, Bernard. Um, it's, I feel like it's, it's maybe too early to talk about this, but like I, maybe it isn't. Are we, is like Randall an extension candidate now? It, it's possible before we do talk more about Randall though. I do have one scenario where, to temper the quickly hype. Where oh, why would you do that? I, here's what, here's where he may not be here in four years. Why? If, if the Knicks get really lucky in the lottery 
and they get the first or second pick uh, and they end up with Cade or Jalen Suggs, he's not going to quickly at that point is no better than the backup point guard at but that point. He, hold, wait, hold on. He's a guy who could play either the one or the two. He can defend. It seems like he could defend ones and twos, right? He doesn't need the ball in his hands, but he can have the ball. Like that's a really right. versatile guy. That's a perfect first guard off the bench. Or, I don't think, and he can fucking he, shoot. Well, right, right. <laughs> oh, there's that too. But, but uh, to complete my thought, or he could become good enough that another team looks at him as a starting point guard, and it becomes too expensive to keep Suggs and Cade, and then have a guy like quickly uh, as a backup point guard or even first guard off the bench if he develops into what is clearly a starting point guard, but just not franchise level lead guard like Kate or Suggs will be. So, I, you know, I, I, I get what you're saying. I don't see that. Wouldn't be a, that wouldn't be a bad scenario necessarily for the Knicks because it means you could get value for trading a guy like that. Um, but anyway, I don't I, an ideal scenario in terms of like, you've got a great point guard at that point who's better than him. And uh, he's also good enough that, teams value him enough that they want him in a trade and he's not worth it as much for you at that point. So I could see that scenario happening. So that's why I just bring up a a very plausible scenario as to why he wouldn't be here four years from now. And it could be because he just becomes too good to keep, but not as good as, you know, if they get lucky in the lottery and they get one of these two franchise point cards. The the only reason I disagree with that is, and by the way, break, breaking news, Detroit Pistons rookie Killian Hayes will rest and rehab his right hip injury and be reevaluated in eight weeks. Mm. Um, man, that's, that's tough. Uh, that's what I would have expected if we drafted him. Oh, uh, it's just not nice. Yeah. Um, here, here's my pushback on that. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that these guys are, are necessarily similar players, but uh, DeAnthony Melton, for who uh, plays for the, he started out in Phoenix. He's played the last two years for the Grizzlies. Um, not eye popping numbers. He's he averaged twenty minutes a game last year, seven point six points. Not a great three point shooter, but he's like looked at as a pretty a, a solid player on both ends. Um, a guy who can start for you if you need in a pinch, but like, so not what we're projecting quickly to be, but also like if the, if you ask the Knicks, like even like three weeks ago, like, Hey, if Emmanuel quickly turns into D'Anthony Melton, is that, are you going to be cool with that? I bet you a few people within the Knicks be like, yeah, that's okay. Semi-reasonable. Um, he signed for four years and I think it was $27 million this, this off season. Um, for uh no a little a little bit more than that four years and looks like thirty uh, in a little bit above thirty so I don't know I I, I just I don't see quickly as a, a someone who any team is going to be like oh that's a st- that is a starting point guard for a really good team I think he's a guy who can start in a pinch but I think ideally suited he's he's a guy who's coming off the bench or he's like a two guard alongside like a big like a long Kate Cunningham right wouldn't that be nice that's <laughs> You know, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's the other thing we have. We are so far. If, if it's too early to say what RJ is going to be, it's way too early to say that quickly cannot be a starting point guard. I, on a good team. That's fair. No, that's, 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 I, that's not unfair. I'll say that. It's not unfair. Okay. So that's, that is a scenario. Um, I, I would just note right here for the record that the New York Knicks will not have a lottery pick. If the season ended today, 
And I think that's an important consideration. Actually, that's a lie. They would. It just wouldn't belong to them. It would be <laughs> that's, it's, that's fair, actually. I don't think it's going to stay that way, but that's fair. The, the, the Mavs pick goes into the top three, and, and uh, there you go. Get Jalen Suggs. Oh, man. If I'm sure. Gosh. I want Suggs so bad. I don't even care about it. If we get K, like, great. But I, Suggs is the guy that I want. Yeah, he's, you know, I mean, Suggs is uh, – Suggs is going to be pretty great. And he's more of like a traditional point guard. I mean, Cade is unique with his size and his ability to defend and all Kate, that. Cade, Cade solves so many of their problems. Oh my God. Cade but, is awesome. Yeah. He's, he's really, how and you fun know would that be? There's a, ch- there's actually a chance that Mobley ends up going first. So, you know, you may not need to get the first pick. You may, yeah. you may, you may be able to just get the second. Cause I mean, and in fairness, Mobley would, be deserving of that. That dude is another, he's like, just not a real person. Um, okay. Randall. So, uh, I, I believe Randall is extension eligible, um, this summer. I, I hope I'm not misstating that, but I, I, I believe he is. Um, because yeah, no, you, you, you're sure you're able to extend these guys on their second contract. Um, I don't know that they will. I think they'll probably just keep their, their options open, but he's going to, if he puts, if he does this for another two years, that dude's gonna want to get paid. Like, he's gonna like he got twenty million dollars a year now. He's gonna he's gonna want at least thirty. Like, do we do we like Julius Randle? Five year extension, hundred and fifty million dollars. We liking the sound of that? <laughs> if he if he plays like he's still playing now, right? I, I think you end up having to have the conversation a couple years from now. It also depends on what pieces you put around him. Yeah. Do you get a point guard who can shoot, like, say, a Jalen Suggs, or, you know, it doesn't have to be him. It's starting point guard who can actually shoot um, and other wing players who can shoot and really take advantage even more of his newfound playmaking abilities. And, you know, Randall continues to be what he is, which is just a, a dominant one-on-one player and, good rebounder and he continues to improve his awareness on defense. Um, yeah. Two years from now, if he not only maintains everything he's been doing, but becomes even a better version and more valuable of the team, then I, I think you, you do end up having to start having that conversation of, well, who do you keep at that point? I mean, how, how do you not keep the guy could be, end up being the conversation a couple years from now. What, what I'd like to see, and Bernard, I know you're very high on Randall too, so I'm curious what you think about this. I think this, it, there's almost, choose my words carefully. There, I think there's almost a more more of a reason to seek out a trade for a, like a legitimate wing initiator now. To, I mean, I'll just, I'll say the name, Victor Oladipo. I think there's almost more of an excuse to try to go get a guy like Oladipo now to see what he looks like alongside, or rather to see what Randall looks like alongside of a guy who's going to have the ball in his hands a lot on offense, because right now Randall's value in large part derives from the fact that he has the ball every damn possession and the offense is running through him. Is he still going to maintain that value if there's someone else who has that? I I don't, you know, I, I wonder should that, I don't know whether that will factor into their thinking, but I almost wonder if it should. Mm. If you told me, I, I think I, I think you you raise a fair point. I don't think they should necessarily burn kids this year to get someone like Oladipo in the door at this trade deadline because it's just. Look, oh, I'm not. 
I don't, I'm not saying trade any of the guys we're like talking about. Like I'm, I'm not even, I don't even think I trade Knox for Oladipo. I'm, I'm talking about like a crap. But I don't package. think you're getting him. So <laughs> maybe not. Um, Tillman for cheetah for cheetah. Oh my God. For Tita. I, <laughs> I, I put the word cheap into his name. Uh, <laughs> Tillman for Tita um, doesn't like to spend money. Um, this, this is true. Just throwing it out there. We talked about this, uh, me and Jeremy. But anyway, continue. Look, if if you told me that we had a 26-year-old player who produces like Julius Randle has produced for, what, 15 games this year, yeah. I, I would say, holy shit, yes, cut the check. We have a guy you build around in the house right now. We're all understandably suffering from the trauma of having watched Julius Randle last year and having seen other bits and pieces of Julius Randle's career. And the real question, look, Randall is sort of unique because he's the rare player where you have to say, you know what? I need to see more. I need to see you do this for an entire season before I say this is a guy I want to build around. Frankly, at at the deadline, I'm I'm looking forward to playoff basketball this year as a wonderful nine seed or something like that, but uh, which seems actually vaguely reasonable as outcomes go here based on where we are right now and the general shittiness of the East. But... yeah. If someone made a good offer at this deadline for Julius Randle, they wanted to get him and have the option to keep him cheap next year. I, I'm certainly not going to clutch my pearls on that one. I I would I would open it up to move him. No one no one should clutch their pearls on that. I don't think that offer is coming. Um, I, I need to think about it some more, but I don't think that offer is coming. So we okay. So it sounds like we all feel like RJ is going to be here. Is Tibbs going to be here in four years? We have we have the elephant in the room. The, the only concern is the, the head of the snake um, and, and what whims he may have and how uh, Bone may fuck all this up, but mm-hmm. he should be here four years from now. Yeah. I think, I think Johnny, Johnny Bryant's the successor in waiting. I think that's how they got Johnny Bryant. I think that, I mean, maybe it wasn't explicitly said, or maybe it was explicitly said, I don't know, but like that's a, that's a dude that's going to be a head coach in the league. And like, everybody knows it. Um, so, yeah, like we, you don't have to worry about like Mike Woodson and who else is on there on there. Like Kenny Payne's, I don't, you know, he'll maybe get a college head job, but like Johnny Bryant's the guy that he, especially since everything you read about him, he he's kind of a different personality than Tibbs. So if Tibbs like if they get to winning and then Tibbs like starts to like grind on guys a little bit too much, I could see it. I don't know. I'm like fifty fifty on if Tibbs is going to be here in four years. Can I, can I can I speak to the grinding thing for a moment? Everyone Please. says that, and if there was a single player you would most expect to recoil against the sort of grinding Tibbs style, it might be Julius Randle. And Julius Randle's the guy who's responded the best. Yeah. Uh, there's really, I think there's something to the notion that Tibbs has evolved in some ways, gotten a little bit softer touch, a little more of a human element to the way he interacts with people so that he can get people playing his game without you know, brutalizing their psyche is as much as perhaps a younger version of him used to. I mean, exactly right. Yeah. He, he let Julius Randle have a glass of wine two nights ago. So there's that. <laughs> right, exactly. That, so, look, Julius Randle going home to have a glass of wine is the most he's ever done for my heart. So <laughs> my, uh, my, concern, Bernard, yes. Or uh, Yash, yes. Still being here in four years would be more, you know, I mean, the guy's not going to be able to do this forever. I mean, he's a pretty intense guy, and he's in his 60s now. And I, what know, the fuck really, else is he going to do, though? This guy's a coach. 
I mean, he'll, he'll coach little league or what? Not little, you know, uh, YMCA basketball if, if he doesn't have an NBA job. Well, you know, unless he has like a heart attack or something, God forbid. I mean, whatever they they could come back from that. You take six months off, you come back, you're fine. I I think I think Tibbs is always going to want to coach. Um, he's a coach. That's what he does. Um, but I no, I I, I think there's some some something to what you're saying, Bernard. Um, okay, so Tibbs. Uh, maybe RJ, yes, Randall, good, good chance. Um, quickly, you know, we talked about, we haven't mentioned Mitch. Yeah, I would, I'm leaning towards, um, he's not going to be here four years from now. I, I feel like I, I, I love yes. Mitch. He's I love clearly evolved. He's clearly evolved this year. He's such yeah. a better defender. He's not getting into the foul trouble. He's just, he's just better this year. But there's a feel of, you know, I, I, what, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is here. Some sort of unsettlement between the Knicks and Mitch, and it's hard to push that out of my mind. I, I don't know. Um, I, I wish I could read Mitch. I, I really do wish. I, I can't read Mitch Robinson at all. I, just, I think he's just really immature as a person, not as a player, not as like a locker room guy or anything. I just think he's like a young, tw- what is he, 22, 23? I think, but whatever. He's like 22 going on 16. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, I just wonder. But at the same time, it's like Jared Allen, who like we're not allowed to talk about because we're Knicks fans, but is a pretty damn good player, just netted what's going to be the 28th pick in the draft. Yeah. So if they're like, ooh, wait, we may not want to hand this guy – $50 million or whatever it's going to take to get Mitch to stay. What's his value around the league? Like the notion that we were all talking about, like, Oh, maybe Mitchell Robinson in the eighth pick could get us up to number two and we could take LaMelo ball. Like, I don't know if that was ever happening. Um, yeah. I think that, that may have been a bit fanciful. Um, the, uh, I, the traditional big man who doesn't show the ability to help space the floor, which Mitch has not yet. Except no. on Instagram. Right, exactly. Counts, or TikTok. Is he on TikTok? Uh, TikTok I, don't, I don't have a TikTok, so it must be Instagram. Yeah, you uh, probably have like seven TikToks. I do not. Except I'm too old for TikTok. Your TikTok and your grinder, it's fine. Right, yeah. Uh, no, it, it's it's uh, it's a lot like the running back in the NFL. It's just become a devalued position where yeah. unless you're, you know, Rudy Gobert level good, and even then everybody's looking at that contract like a ridiculous contract because it is because he's just not going to live up to it. Mitch, I don't think is going to be worth to this team what the Knicks can replace him with for a lot less money. And the guy is kind of a loose cannon when it comes to contract negotiations. He's burned through, what, six agents? He is on – I think he's on his sixth agent. Oh, Jesus. Come on. He's been in the league for like two and a half years, two two years? Two two and – Two and and change? Yeah. Yeah. It's – that's not the and that guy and so wait whenever, if you had a client that you were their sixth lawyer are you saying you would have some qualms about representing that person? Having been, no, in I've that done that. It sucks. I have <laughs> had justified qualms about being in that situation, and um, 
As a personal injury attorney, I always love that. Oh, how many attorneys have you been to with this? With this, uh, you tripped on a what is that a curb? Oh, um, were you sixth? Oh, let's uh, bring that in. Right. What do you got a what do you got a, a toenail a, a hung nail? Okay, and, sure. And you have that guy on one side, and then you have Leon Rose on the other side, Mister like polished Godfather uh, super agents. I just I just don't think that's going to be a productive negotiation where both sides are going to be able to meet well. Yeah, I don't know. Um, we'll see. I, I no, I don't think Mitch is going to be here in four years. I hope I'm. I legitimately am hope I'm wrong because other than other than Frank, I don't think there's a player I've like genuinely enjoyed as much over the last four years as 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 much as Mitch. And I do think his ceiling is fucking high. I really, yeah. just, I think he's, that dude could be I, awesome. Look, I, I love him too, and I love his ceiling, as I've joked about before. Uh, half jokingly <laughs> said his, his ceiling is Embiid. Which is a joke, but um, see, I think the best value the Knicks can get for Mitch is probably trading him this deadline. Yeah, and I don't know who's who's in a rush to get themselves a Mitchell Robinson who has not yet shown us like, oh, I could definitely put that guy out there for 25 minutes in a conference finals game and not think twice about it and be like, yes, for 25 minutes a night, I'm going to get exactly what I need at both ends of the court in terms of what the, I just, I don't know if we're there yet with Mitch. I, uh, I can think of a team that would love to have him, but they don't have anything to give us. And that's Brooklyn. Holy shit. Would he fit nicely in Brooklyn? They, I think they're going to be all in on DJ and then I think they're going to hope for a, a, a DJ cares uh, two, three month uh, tour. Um Look, I, I hope he's going to the same German doctors that that treated Kobe, and uh, he's ready to go he, for postseason. But he got un, up a couple times. Happens. He got up a couple times in the Nick game. I'll give DJ. Listen, DJ was in a coma for three years, and last year too. So yeah, like four years. Um, yeah, no, we don't need to talk about uh, DeAndre Jordan. Okay, uh, we've gone over. My my kid is my, rather my wife is waiting for me to put this kid to bed. Um, are we? So here are your choices. Four years from now, we are a perennial contender. We are a knocking on the door of contention like a, let's say like a Utah this year. Um, We are a, let's see, what's a step down from like a Utah? Um, Perennial sixth seed. The Hawks the last, last like 10 years. Let's say let's say like a slightly shittier version of the Pacers are right now because I, I actually think the Pacers are pretty good. Um, choice four would be like the Hornets, like frisky, like ooh the Hornets the Hornets beat the Clippers last night. Yeah, I guess I could see that, um, but then they lose to like the Wolves the next night. Or choice five is uh, whatever, like what the Knicks have been the last most of the last twenty years. Uh, Yash, why don't you go first? I'm going to say that uh, under this administration with competent coaching and competent front office, that they are knocking on the door of contention. Um, so like four a years from now, okay. you know, four years from now, what RJ will be 24. He still won't be in his prime. He's only going to be 24. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But you know, yeah, he should just accept that uh, he's just never going to you know, be. Just fuck off. It's, nobody <laughs> likes you. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, keeping that in mind, uh, yeah, I think they're going to be knocking on the door of contention, and I think they're going to be one of those teams that uh, people will say, you know what, a couple of years from now, they're going to be contending with the right move here or there. Uh, and uh, from that point forward, if they've been managed 
the way that they've been managed recently. Um, you know, they're on the upward trajectory to eventually being perennial contenders, maybe like six or seven years from now. Okay. I like it. Bernard. I, I guess this is technically category three. I think there are four years from now, we're looking at a team that is a, a predictable four or five seed that we don't think is actually going to get over the hump to win the title with the current roster they have at that point. I, I'm hopeful that we, we happen into a true blue superstar. I don't know that we're going to. And without a true blue superstar, it's hard to project titles in the future. And so long as Dolan is here, I think it's going to be difficult to attract them. And I think that the new front office and Thibodeau and the development of the kids has made it such that they're pretty unlikely to get that via the lottery over the next few years. And I think we're going to be trapped in the place of having pretty good watchable basketball, but not a real hope of a title. This was such, this was such a fun podcast up until that moment. What a leave it to Bernard. Leave it to Bernard. Leave, leave us with existential dread. This as Yo, guys, that's way fucking better than what we've sat through for most of the last decade. Come and on. Actually, no, and, and if we're being honest, we we glorify it, but like for I don't want to say a lot of the 90s, but for a a not insignificant portion of the nineties. Like that's kind of what the Knicks were. Like there were a lot of years in the nineties where nobody thought the Knicks were going to win the championship. I dare you to say that to Charles Oakley's face, <laughs> mm, man. You know, I, uh, they were literally a four and five seed a couple of times. So I, I would say I that a couple of times, but like there were a lot of, you know, high fifties, low 60 win teams in the nineties and, uh, I mean, they haven't had a year like that in a while. 90, 94, 95, and 95, 96, off the top of my head, I know for a fact they were in that 4-5. Uh, I don't care what their seating was. Like, they were not a threat to win a blessed thing in either of those years. Um, 96, 97 was the really good team that got screwed by the suspensions. Um, 97, 98, I would say they were in between a legit contender and, like, pseudo contender. Um, 98, 99, obviously they went to the finals yeah. as an A seed. Um, and then the next year I would say they were fairly legit too. Um, cause they lost in the conference finals. And then the, the very beginning of the decade, there was probably. They were four seed and they, they beat like the Raptors and then they lost in the second round. No, I'm talking about the beginning of the night. Yeah, no, the uh, 2000, 2000. Yeah. They, they lost the Raptors as a, as a four seed, but I'm talking about the beginning of the nineties. They started out where there was a year there too. So yeah, I, I stand by that. The early '90s, they were well. They won 60 games. The you know the year that you know, the Charles Smith series. That was '92, '93. Before yeah. that, they they still had the upward climb. Okay, yeah. but here I think Bernard's point is well taken, which is that like you say that to some Nick fans, and they'll be like, "Oh, what a waste of the, all the the last several years." No, that would not be a waste. That would be a delightful outcome, if not the one we would maybe you know, I didn't hope for. And the, the reason I say, you know, six to seven years, maybe that they become uh, contenders is because, uh, you know, the, the thing I've mentioned many times in our text thread, RJ will recruit his buddy Zion to be that guy for us when he's <laughs> rookie contract is finally up. We get RJ and Zion here together and uh, they lead the Knicks back to the promised land. That dude had a fucking pass. The other night, I forget what game I was watching on a league pass where he drove baseline and like I 
Oh yeah, and uh, and oh wait, no, or, or was that like the Doctor J? He he has so he has like to, so many moves now, like on a nightly basis that I'm literally losing track. He's he's really good. Um, <laughs> and, and that guy wants to come here so badly. How the fuck? He wants. Nobody to fucking wants to come here. Fred Van Vliet wouldn't fucking sit down with the front office. No one wants to fucking come here right now. He wanted to be drafted by the Knicks so badly, and then he was talking. Yeah, about- and Charlize wants to suck your cock. Come on. <laughs> I, I mean, he was just, the rails were here a second ago. I saw the rails. They were right next to the rails. And now I can't see them. I mean, you don't remember the rumors with Zion saying like, oh, maybe what if I refuse to play for the Pelicans? And like, didn't you want to go to the Fox? Anna Diarmas left Ben Affleck for me also. Like, come on. We could all fantasize about beautiful things. Doesn't no, mean I, I don't think this is a fantasy. I mean, look, RJ Barrett is his best friend. And at that point, if the Knicks are knocking on the door of contention and and Zion's free agent, like why wouldn't the Knicks be able to sign with that I, point? I, I think, listen, I think there is still an argument out there that certain players will want to come to not only New York, but to the Knicks. But I think, I still think we're, we're, we should bark up like the Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker tree before the Zion. I don't, I don't think, I don't think Zion has any great desire to, I mean, I don't know, maybe him and RJ are like fantastic friends and I, whatever. I'm sorry, what? I think it's, I think the possibility will be there. If RJ is still around and the team's knocking on the door, that's well, I, I hope for your sake, because then maybe Bernard's wish will come true. And Anna, Anna <laughs> DeArmas will also, uh, which I'm sure Lily wouldn't mind. I'm, I'm assuming Anna DeArmas is on your pass list. Sharing is caring, John. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She's on both of their pass lists. <laughs> I wish. They, uh, okay. Now, now the, yeah, we're not even in the same County as the, the rails anymore. Uh, okay. Uh, on that note, this was, uh, this is a lot of fun. Uh, unsurprisingly, because we do this essentially every day on text message. Um, Yash, I would ask if to, you to tell the folks at home where they could find you, but what do you want to promote your Twitter, Twitter page, I guess. <laughs> yeah, sure. If you want to follow me for my takes about the, the next sports world politics, Yash Manjanath. It's at Yash Manjanath on Twitter. I guarantee you the listeners need you to spell that shit. Yeah. Y-A-S-H-M-A-N-J-U-N-A-T-H. Or you could just check out me trolling Macri, which I like to do on a basis. <laughs> on a regular basis. Um, go, go follow Yash. He's a good follow. Um, Bernard, you actually have some real content that uh, you can promote, which I would invite you to do right now. Sure. Uh, I'm Bozar, B-W-O-Z-A-R, on Twitter, Letterboxd, wherever these things are. And you can read my stuff at loudandclearreviews.com for movie reviews and praises of Ben Affleck in the way back. <laughs> And uh, Bernard's reviews are actually like, uh, yeah, for the people watching, like they're quite good. They're not like the usual boring, like, oh, this is a review by somebody who thinks their opinion matters. Like, no, Bernard's opinions are actually like, they're not only well thought out, but they're also creative and engaging to read. Like, uh, I'd highly recommend checking out his review of WandaVision in particular. Oh, that was, that was, that was spectacular. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. I I take back like 80% of the mean shit I said on this podcast. That that was We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Touching. You don't take back anything. Uh, it's here. It's 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 on the record. Uh, go seriously. Go follow Bernard. Go follow Yash. Uh, re, follow Bernard for his reviews. I mean, Yash, whatever your Twitter account is, what it is. <laughs> um, but Bernard's reviews. Bernard's reviews are very good. Um, and uh, definitely go check those out. And he is also a frequent guest on uh, uh, Final Score, um, hosted by the producer of this podcast, Andrew Claudio. So if you've uh, if you want to hear him on other podcasts, you could you should check that out as well. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Now we're having some fun. My printer's getting excited over here. Now we are having some fun. The Knicks win. The Knicks win. The Knicks win. I have said that phrase as many times this season. As I have said, the Knicks lost. And we are not two games into the season. We're not four games into the season. We're not eight games into the season. We are 16 games into the season. And the Knicks are 500. You know, I don't know. Is it 24 other NBA cities? Maybe 25. That's not something worth getting excited about. In this NBA city, it is worth getting excited about. Um. I'm going to talk about R.J. Barrett in a second uh, because, man, I don't – I'm wondering, actually. I, I have I don't have any crow in the house. I have some cold chicken. I, I, fry, I, put, a, I put a whole chicken in the, in the air fryer last night, and I have a piece left over that maybe I should eat because I don't have any crow to eat. Um, so that would have to do. But um, the first thing I just want to say is this – you know, the offense had a really good night tonight, and I think a lot of that had to do with Alec Burks being back. I know he played mostly with the second unit, um, and the first unit did a lot of the damage, but I do think his presence was notable, um, and it was definitely felt. And just having another guy who's just – he doesn't need any room to fire away. He has no hesitation firing away. <laughs> Macri doesn't deserve RJ. Hope he keeps hating. <laughs> I love people, man. Um, you know, I think I think uh I think Burks being back is big because again, they don't have any guys like that. Thus far it's just been Bullock, which is why I've been saying for weeks I like Bullock on this team and I think Bullock's gonna have a big role. And I just I think we needed to wait for him to get over his shooting slump because with Burks out, he was the only guy willing to put it up without hesitation. And I think you saw that tonight, and lo and behold, when Bullock is actually hitting shots, it completely changes the complexion of that starting five. And I mentioned it, I mentioned it on my starting on my uh, halftime Zoom for my newsletter subscribers. This starting five has now played more minutes than any five-man unit in the NBA. 
Um, and it's not close either. They're going to be after tonight. I think they're going to be close to 250 minutes played together. And then after uh, the next closest is going to be, you know, a little bit over 200. There has been some real cohesion that has developed among this five man unit. And you saw it tonight on both ends of the floor. You saw it in the offense, you saw it in the defense. Look, they're not perfect. Um, we don't need to talk about the fact that they have no spacing. We don't need to talk about the fact that Alfred Payton on one possession earlier tonight, thank God it didn't come back to haunt them, missed two free throws and two threes on essentially one possession. Um, you know, and that's hard and that's an impediment. And my my gut feeling is that at some point the Knicks will look to make an upgrade because I think they I, – I have to think the front office – not that I have to think. I've, I have a little bit of knowledge to, to confirm that the front office is looking at this thing and being like, holy shit, this team is actually pretty decent. And they may look to make an upgrade. Um, but just focus on what's here for right now because what's here is good. And the defense in particular, um, you know, they ended up, I think, giving up 104 points to this Warriors team. And that was with some sloppy defense in the first half. And, you know, they gave up some points late that were, you know, I think they could help this team under 100 points tonight if they really wanted to. And that was that was legit. I think the defense is absolutely legit. I've been man, if I tell you guys, I've been spending some time diving deep on some numbers to try to figure out how much of this is luck and how much of this is real. Um, Let me just say that, yeah, of course, there's some luck involved, but. There is precedent for teams doing this, which is to say giving up a fair amount of open threes, but the right type of threes, meaning above the break threes, not corner threes. They take away corner threes pretty well and giving them up to the right guys. Um, the Celtics did it for years under Brad Stevens. The Mavs have actually done it over the last, I don't know, five, six years, most of those years under Rick Carlisle with good results. Teams that know what they're doing know what they're doing. And the Knicks haven't known what they're doing for a very long time. But under Tom Thibodeau, they seem to know what they're doing. And I think it's it's rarer and rarer that we are seeing them give up wide open shots to a guy. You know, if you're like me, there you're watch, you'll watch a game and a certain guy will get a wide open shot. And you just like close your eyes and look up at the ceiling because you don't even need to see it. You know it's going to go in. There's been less and less of those shots given up by this Knicks defense since the beginning of the season, and that feels real to me. Um, and they're still not really taking away the paint, but they're taking away the paint enough, and they're just making life very, very hard for for teams um, on offense. Someone's saying, I'm flipping the script. I've been saying this team is bad for most of the season. Yes, every time I have come on here, or Periscope or, or the podcast or in the newsletter or whatever, I preface it by saying that the Knicks are bad, but the Knicks aren't bad anymore. The Knicks are not a bad team anymore. I'm not willing to say they're a good team yet because – thank you, by the way, uh, Maurice – I'm not willing to say they're a good team yet because good teams are able to win with offense and defense. And I think right now this team is only going to be able to win with defense on most nights. And if their offense isn't going, they're, they're going to have a tough time still winning games against good teams. And this Warrior team is a decent team. 
this Warrior team, I've watched a little bit of them. I've paid attention to their statistical progression. They've been playing pretty good. They're four and two over the last six games, uh, above even net rating. Um, this and on the road that, you know, I think that still matters for them. This is a good win against, I don't know whether they're the 15th best team in the league, 17th best team in the league, 13th best team in the league, something around there. But the team is coming off win a blowout against the Spurs and a win against the Lakers in which they came back. So this is not a win to just like, you know, this isn't to me like some of the wins they've had this season where, you know, Orlando can hit the far side of a barn or the Celtics are having a particularly off shooting night, you know, over and above what the Knicks defense um, was actually doing to impede their, 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 their efforts. This was a good win. So they're eight and eight now. I mean, 16 games in eight and eight. I think their net rating tonight after tonight, tonight's game is going to be, it's still going to be under, under even, but it's going to be pretty close to zero. So man, and just, I thought it was notable. This is the first time they've had two days off. I think all season um, since maybe the first they, they opened the year uh, on Wednesday and then, no, they play. Actually, this may be the first, the first time all season. They've had two games off. Maybe there's one other time that I'm forgetting, but you, the cohesion that we saw tonight was really notable. And, and, and that, will let me go over to the offense. So that'll let me go over to, to talking about, I think I got to, I don't know who to talk about first because look, RJ had a career high. I got to take a sip of my um, dark rum. I'm switching to dark rum from scotch uh, for tonight. Cause I got a lovely bottle of dark rum, 10 to one dark rum sent to me that I've been enjoying. Um, I've said a lot of unkind things about RJ Barrett. Actually, no, let me rephrase that. I've said a lot of unkind things about R.J. Barrett's rookie season in the nine months leading up to this year. And I've said some unkind things about R.J. Barrett over the last several weeks, specifically as it pertains to what is he going to be if he can't shoot. I still have concerns about what he can be if he can't shoot. But those concerns at this point are more like if he's not a shooter, then he's the fourth best starter on a really good team. As opposed to at other times, definitely during the summer, it was more like, can he even start for a good team if he's not a shooter? Because what else can he do really well? And one thing I've been critical of RJ all year about is his um, lack of passing in situations that called for it. And everybody's going to point to the career high because obviously he had a career high. And when you get a career high, that's going to get you a decent amount of attention. But my personal favorite thing about RJ Barrett tonight, I don't know. Here, I'm looking at it now. He had five assists. And I don't think those five assists actually really encompassed how often he was looking to make the right play for his teammates. Um, He had a few passes that didn't result in a basket that were, really really good and he's starting to get more and more comfortable the fact with the fact that he can draw defenses to him and even with his struggles finishing at the rim which sadly do still exist those those are still there um yeah he did get some missed shot assist to mitch um like he he 
he's a guy that's going to draw attention. And I think that much has become obvious at this point because he's just he's he's is that type of dude. And last season he would draw that attention and he would rush it and he would have these not quite out of control layup attempts. Um, but like, let me just hurry up and get to the basket as fast as possible and put up a shot. And I hope it goes in. A lot of them didn't go in. We have seen a lot of those replaced by a more patient approach. And that as the next progression of RJ Barrett, you know, and tonight I know, what did he hit? Two threes, I think tonight. Um, so like, it's not like his career high came as a result of randomly getting hot from behind the arc. Um, his career high, yeah, he was two of three from three. His career high came as a result of doing the things that RJ Barrett's capable of doing, getting to the line. He shot eight free throws. He made six of them. Um, someone's saying RJ is a poor man's LeBron. I don't know about poor man's LeBron. I've always been calling him the poor man's Jimmy Butler. And now shout out to my friend, Yash. I don't know how poor man of a Jimmy Butler he is because Jimmy Butler, when Jimmy Butler was 20 years old, Jimmy Butler was still at at uh, Marquette. I think he was like a, a junior at Marquette when he was 20 years old. And then three years, four years, five years into his career under Tom Thibodeau, by the way, Jimmy Butler became Jimmy Butler. Well, guess what? R.J. Barrett still has, and this is why I've always been hopeful. And if, if anybody has actually gone past the hot, the hot takes and um, – you know, in the sound bites and read what I've written about RJ again all through the last nine months. I was always hopeful, but I was just concerned because I'm like, okay, we have to bank on the fact that this 20 year old kid is going to continue to progress at a certain rate. And I think what we've seen now through 16 games is he has progressed at the rate we needed to see to be hopeful that what is he? Is he an all star? Is he, I don't know, but he's a guy that can help you win games and he's a guy that could help you win games playing an important role for your team. Um, and that's really the difference is how much can you rely on this guy? How much can you put on this guy's shoulders? And I think we're starting to see that maybe you can start to put a little bit more on his shoulders and boy, oh boy, would I love to see this team with another piece in addition to Randall and RJ, because I haven't even mentioned Randall. And Randall, he didn't get his triple-double tonight. He should have because, my God, it's like the the basketball gods didn't want to give him a triple-double. He had that beautiful alley-oop attempt to Mitch that Mitch missed. He had a couple other passes that should have been assists. Um, No, it's not too excited to get um, too excited for our Knicks. Uh, Randall is definitely an all-star this year. Um, Kudos to, to Andrew Kim for saying that. But look at Randall's stat line. So he was seven of seven from the line. Just absolutely love it. 17 rebounds, matching a, a season high. He might be in the top five in rebounds. Well, he's definitely going to be in the top three or four in defensive rebounds after tonight. Nine assists, 16 points, was overly looking to make the pass. 16 points on 11 shots. He was only 4-11 from the field. Um, But just what else can you say about Julius Randle other than that uh, if the Knicks are – I don't know. Uh, Thirty-six games will be have been played, so we have twenty games into the All Star break. If the Knicks could go eight and twelve in their next twenty games, which means they'd be four games below five hundred at the All Star break, and RJ and Julius Randle keeps up 
90% of what he's doing right now. Julius Randle's an all-star. Um, I'll start taking some questions. Would you be willing to put both Quickly and Knox in a package for Ball? I wouldn't be willing to put either Quickly or Knox in a package for Ball. Um, and that's and I wrote about this the other day. It's not because I think Kevin Knox is going to be a better player long-term than Lonzo Ball. I think if Lonzo Ball comes here and looks good, he's going to command $15 million a year as opposed to Kevin Knox. I could have Kevin Knox next season on $6 million and then decide what I want to do with him as he's a restricted free agent. And I also think Kevin Knox's shooting is real. I know he didn't make a huge impact tonight, but um, I'm still very high on Kevin Knox. Uh, Macri, how is our upcoming schedule looking? Is it getting easier? Well, funny you should ask that. Um, hold on. I have to retweet the, the old Knicks film school account because I have a good tweet about RJ Barrett. I'll actually read it right here. RJ Barrett's last five games, 28, two and five, 22, 10 and four, 19, 11 and three, 24 and three, 25 and three. God, you gotta love it. Um, our next couple of games, we play the worst defense in the league tomorrow against Sacramento. Um, I'm looking at the minutes totals right now for this game. And I, I would have liked to see some of the starters play a few less minutes. RJ played 36 minutes. Randall played 36 minutes. Peyton actually played 37 minutes because quickly was having a little bit of difficulty running the offense. Um, but you could score points against Sacramento. They have, as of, as of press time, the worst defense in the history of the league. Uh, and then we get a day off. Then we go to Portland, who is missing both C.J. McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic. So possibility for a win in Portland. And then Utah, who I'm sure is going to want to make up for the fact that they blew one in MSG. Then we come back home and play Cleveland and the Clippers, who are looking good. So there's an opportunity for some wins on the schedule, which is great. Um, Jaime, I think. Chavez asks, do you think Coach Tibbs will ever run some plays for Mitchell Robinson? He looked amazing tonight. I think the Knicks' entire offense when Mitchell Robinson is in the game is predicated on getting Mitchell Robinson the ball for lob attempts. And I thought you saw that a lot over the second half. And Mitch just... I don't know whether he was – it's funny to say this about a guy who had a really nice night statistically. I actually think he was a little off. I think there's a lot of baskets that Mitchell could have had that he didn't convert. Um, but, like, Mitchell Robinson is a vertical threat on offense. Is Other than Julius Randle, he's the best thing they have going for them. And teams guard against that on every possession. So, in terms of calling plays for Mitch, like, no, they're not dumping the ball down to Mitchell Robinson and asking him to – you know, do something in the post because that's not Mitchell Robinson's game. Mitchell Robinson's game is to just provide that verticality on the offensive end and obviously what he does on defense. But I think they try to do that pretty much on every possession. I don't think there's a possession that goes by where at some point during it this season, um, Mitch is making the defense think about what he could be doing. Uh, let's see what else we got. The Knicks should <laughs> should and will not trade for Steph Curry. Man, Steph Curry ain't going anywhere. Um, how can we sell high on Randall? Who should Big Leon call first, Portland or Utah? I, th I think we're getting to the point where, like, the first five or six games of this year, if you would have been like, oh, the Knicks could get a first-round pick in this year's draft for Julius Randall, I might have jumped at that chance. And I might have said, oh, wow, super small sample size. Let's go ahead and take advantage of this while we can. 
Um, then after 10 or 12 games, I was more like, nah, I think we need a first round pick and a decent young player for Julius Randle. And now after we're seeing this shit, boy, um, I just don't know that you could trade a guy who is playing, not like I'm having a good season all-star, but like I'm a legitimate all-star with how I'm playing for just a, a, a middling first round pick, even in a pretty good draft and a young player who's like an uncertainty. I don't think you could trade Julius Randle right now. I mean, obviously, yes, there's, there's every player in the NBA is tradable uh, absent, you know, Luka Doncic and LeBron James, but I just, I don't know that Julius Randle is a trade candidate anymore. I think we need to stop having that conversation. And I think we need to start having the conversation of, okay, how can the Knicks figure out how to build around Julius Randle and RJ Barrett and, you know, maybe a couple other of those pieces that are here, but definitely those two. Um, we definitely have a gritty side to us. I agree with that. Brooklyn Charlie. Nice name. I like that. Um, is Obi a more, just a more athletic Ines Cantor? Obi did something tonight that I don't think I saw Ines Cantor do in two years here, and that's block a shot. And he blocked the shot fairly athletically. I want to see more of Obi in situations where he just has to worry about patrolling the paint and not like moving around on the perimeter and not like making decisions about, oh, wait, who do I help off of right now? I think he's shown some progress there, but I actually am, am I've been saying this a lot. I'm higher on Obi, Obi Toppin's defense than others. Um, I just want to see him more as a five, which I know. Seems crazy, but I'd like to see it before I, I write it off as something that's nuts. Um, let's see what else. I'm going to take a couple more questions. We've hit the 20-minute mark, and this is going on the tail end of the podcast, so I'm going to finish up quick. He definitely has the Amari Stoudemire tw- uh, dunk package. Who is out of the rotation once Burks and Rivers are healthy? Man, I can't get by one of these live streams with somebody without someone asking me about the rotation. Um I don't think Burks is going anywhere. I don't think Bullock's going anywhere. Quickly's not going anywhere. Knox isn't going anywhere. Gosh. You stumped the lawyer. I don't know. I mean, so someone, Jason M. wrote Knox. Knox has been their best three-point shooter this year. And he's been good enough on defense, and he's making enough progress. And the only thing I'll say, yeah, Jacob just said it, 11. Um, Tom Thibodeau has never played an 11-man rotation over the course of his career as a coach. Never never once has done it. He's gone gone with nine-man rotations, nine and a half, sometimes 10, never gone with 11. I just, man, I don't know what you do, and I'm inclined to say, that this season, here's my answer. This is a cop-out. I'm going to say this is a cop-out. So don't want anybody tell me, Macri, you're copping out here. I'm admitting it. I'm copping out here. I think they're going to keep doing what they did tonight. I think they're going to keep taking guys who may be a little banged up. This is a shortened, this is a condensed season. A lot of, um, you know, like we've seen, like we're seeing right now, three games and four nights, back-to-backs, where if a guy's something's a little off, they're going to rest that guy. And they're going to keep rotating in and out of, of different guys. And I think Tom Thibodeau is going to avoid having to make that decision about the rotation until they make a trade. And the last thing I'll say 
is I think they will eventually make a trade. I, I, I really don't feel comfortable predicting who or what that's going to be. But the, the last thing, I, is Frank still alive? Somebody asks. <laughs> Michael Lemieux. Lemieux? I think I hope I got that right. Um, should be sent a search party. Frank's alive. He's just hurt. You know, and, and if you think the moment that Frank is back and healthy, he's going to walk right into this rotation. I, I think he had another thing coming. And it's not because he didn't play well when he was healthy. It's just, you know, other guys have also played well. Um, anyway, I think they'll make a trade. I don't know what it's going to be for. But this this front office, and I'm going to write about this next week because I want to confirm this. But um, let's just say I have, I, I have a, a, a pretty good suspicion that they they are they are thinking um they can they can make a real step forward as an organization this season and maybe make a little bit of a, a playoff push and i know a lot of people who are pro you know tanking may hear that and be like oh great we're going to be a, a a 8 seed or 9 seed or 10 seed and we're going to wind up with the 11th pick in the draft well Let's see how they – if they go about that route, let's see how they go about it before calling that the wrong plan of attack because – the and this is the last thing I'll say. This feels sustainable, what they're doing, and it feels like they're doing it with guys who are going to be here for a while. I know Obi Toppin and, and Emmanuel Quickly are not starring right now. Same thing with Kevin Knox. But boy, oh boy, is this all on the backs of R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle. And there is no reason that R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle can't be here for the long term. Not to mention Mitchell Robinson, who's obviously playing a big role. Um, you know, not to mention one or two of these other guys that they brought in on one-year deals. There's no reason not to not to think that they can't be, be here long term as well. I think that they're going to ride this thing out. And if that means making a trade for an upgrade, I think they might make a trade for an upgrade. Um, do I, st- okay. Last question from Zach Kopelman. Do you still view this year's pick as almost untradeable? Um, hmm. It's a great question. Nothing's untradeable. Um, but no, I, I don't think they'll trade it unless they're getting a guy who is like there's there's only one guy who I think is available potentially that they would include this year's pick for and I do not think he is a guy that the Knicks should go out and 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 um, enter themselves into the conversation for if and when he becomes available and I don't even want to say his name um, he plays in Washington he's going to get traded at some point um, I I just I'm not there yet. Uh, I can't. I can't get there right now. But uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, but this team's fun, and this team is is pretty real, and that's really exciting. And um, and let's all enjoy it because the, the Knicks are eight and eight. So shit, how many times have we been able to say that after sixteen games? Uh, I really. I mean, the fact that there's here's a. This is the last thing I'm going to say. Famous last words. There are 471 people watching this right now. It is 1 o'clock in the morning on the East Coast. And I know all of these people aren't out there on California or in Hawaii or France or wherever the hell it's a different time zone. This team has fan support unlike any organization in basketball and like few organizations in sports. 
And that is a real commodity. And it is something that I, I continue every time somebody was like, nobody's mentioned Dolan. How, how wonderful is this? Uh, for every time anybody mentioned James Dolan or the fact that they've sucked for the last 20 years, the fact that there is a different vibe when this team is doing good as opposed to when almost any other team in the league is doing good. That matters. So kudos to everybody here. Um, it's, it's a man. This is fun. I, I hope this keeps going because I'm enjoying the hell out of this. <laughs> Brooklyn Nets, who <laughs> somebody watching in from, from Arizona. I love that. Uh, anyway. All right. I'm going to go get my producer, Andrew Claudio. God, God love him. He has to, he has to convert my gobbledygook into a podcast right now. So, uh, Andrew, if you're watching right now, thank you. And, uh, yes, we'll be back at it again tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, let's go next, baby. Happy Friday, everybody. Ooh.